Pete Blackburn, did you like Black Mass? I uh, I did. I liked it. I thought it was thoroughly entertaining. I didn't think that it was great, but honestly, I didn't really expect it. To. It was basically what I expected it to be. It was what I expected it to be, and I expected it to be close. I, I expected it to be great. I so I th- I thought we'll, we can get into this if you disagree. I think it's better than the, than the Departed. I do not agree with that. I thought uh, I thought Black Mass was a great. Uh, it was a pretty good, did a pretty good job of telling the story of Whitey Bulger, but it was, it seemed more to me like kind of uh, almost like a, a documentary, like storytelling thing where it was, I mean, I know that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a biopic, but it seemed more to me like that it just like went down a timeline instead of, you know, focusing in on a certain aspect of the of the story and I think that's a hard thing to do with a movie that's only two hours long so it felt like it was kind of I don't want to say rushed but you're you're not getting you know the you're not diving fully into it time was the biggest thing that that was the biggest takeaway for me that it was too short and going into it I'd spoken to someone who'd seen it and they they use that as like a knock against the movie that how are you going to tell that story in, in, two, in two hours two flat. hours that's really tough to do, but she said that they did well for the two hours, and they I, I agree well with that. Hours, I, I think yes. that, I mean, it's not going to be the entire Black Mass book, which we we spoke to Dick Lair for this uh, this podcast, which uh, will come up in just a bit. It's they're not going to be able to fit everything from the book into it, but in two hours, I kind of agree where you said not quite rushed, but you don't really get. The development. The, yeah, exactly. You don't get like the spectrum of the timeline. You don't get starting in 1975, leading up to 1988, and all this stuff. And so it, you do kind of get the sense with it that it takes place over a year and a half or something like that, when in reality it takes place over a much longer span. I feel like this felt very much like a like a big studio production where they tried to package it as cleanly and as uh like perfect for general consumption like they didn't want to make it more than two hours long yeah they didn't want to make it overly violent they didn't want to include i don't think there was any nudity or anything like that and i mean when you go when you go to like a gangster movie yeah you want scarface yeah there was there was a at least for me there was a disappointing lack of violence in the movie so until you point this out, once you said it, you're correct, there isn't like a, it's not a particularly gory movie. Yeah. But I just thought that the general creepiness of it that made was on me... on par, or they did that very well. But so, I think that's you know a tribute to Johnny Depp's acting. Probably, but I mean, I I thought that even with the lack of like showing a ton of blood or whatever, I I was I was creeped out the whole time. I thought that all the the people played their characters well. And I know that that a lot of these guys have, have come out since. Uh, Kevin Weeks pointed out basically like what Jesse, how Jesse Plummins played him is 0% what, what Kevin Weeks was apparently. But unfortunately, you're going to get that when you do these movies when it's based off of people. Like, I mean, Johnny Depp's not hanging out with Whitey Bulger. He's, for as much research as he does, I'm sure there's probably a lot of guesswork. And, and Dick Lair said that he would stop by 
the the shooting from time to time and and offer whatever he could because I mean he's he's the guy that that broke the story of uh, of John Conley and Whitey Bulger's relationship so he knew a shit ton about it that he could share with these guys but I mean w- when you're making a Hollywood movie based off of such real gritty scary stuff you're I understand that they're not going to be able to do it well. That said, for as different as these characters may have been from the guys they played in real life, I thought that Jesse Plemons was super creepy and scary. I thought that Johnny Depp was terrifying. I thought the dude from um, from shoot from Empire Records who played uh, who played Fleming, Fleming yeah, yeah. I th- I thought that they were all great, re- regardless of uh, it's th- yeah, the, that's the like accuracy a, and the mannerisms. Yeah, that's everything. the kind of thing that you know you're only going to know. If unless you, you know, were, were close there. to yeah. Bulger and, and, and them. So uh, and that's not really who the movie was made for. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I agree that it was you, you phrased it right. Like it, they, they weren't going to make it long. They were going to package it as like, here's a great acting performance from Johnny Depp, who was who was insane. But uh, yeah, I mean, I liked it. I, I was I was really looking forward to seeing it. Uh, I know that there's been a lot of movies made about Boston the last however many years, and I saw in one of the reviews that, like, I think it was The New Yorker, that it's like, all right, people are kind of getting sick of all these Boston movies now. But th- that this is, like, kind of the definitive one that, that must be made. They have to make the Whitey Bulger movie. I think I, there's another one coming out at some the, point. The one about the globe busting or breaking the um, the Catholic Church scandal? Uh, no, I thought there was another uh, Whitey Bulger movie coming out. I thought that... Oh, uh, really? I thought that... Wahlberg was was making one. Really? Yeah, so that's what I had had heard, and I heard that, that that he met with Whitey. Really? Yeah. So I I don't know. That was a long time ago. I don't know if that's actually like coming to fruition, but yeah. that's what I had heard. Um, what did you think of of uh, I forget the guy's name now, but the guy who played John Connolly. Um, I thought he was good. I I was. Initially, just taken aback by that everyone had that same haircut that everyone in 1975 had, which th- that's not on the the movie or the actors or anything. But I was the first like 15 minutes was a bit of a an adjustment period to seeing all of these actors we've watched for years, Benedict Cumberbatch and all these guys with the same exact haircut. The only guy who didn't have that haircut, I think, in the movie was uh, was Johnny Depp because he had the classic slicked back. Uh, uh, blonde hair but i thought the guy who played conley was fine i mean i as far as acting performances go i was more focused probably on depp and uh and plemons but uh yeah like he didn't stand out as as bad to me i thought that he was i thought that he was bad it was joel edgerton by the way um but i I, to me i I really didn't like his performance i don't know i don't know why like i i feel like it was over the top um but I, i don't know the john connelly Right, character. yeah. Like that could have been how he acted, but like it seemed very, it seemed like he laid it on thick to me. Well, the, the book says that eventually, that like he he got kind of flashy in a hurry, and that I mean, the, there's the scene where uh, where his wife points out to his him like you're wearing watch a, his new suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So th- things like that. Um, but yeah, uh, I thought that if anything, and I knew I was going to do this going in, I really didn't want to have this. Uh, this uh, preconceived notion that Benedict Cumberbatch was going to do a bad Boston accent. It was pretty bad. It was, it was the the least good Boston <laughs> yeah. accent. Everyone else was was, yeah, was good, fine, and yeah. I I I'm not one of these like, I'm not a Boston accent police like all these people whenever they see these movies and like, 
It's a tough accent to do. It's weird. Well, um, you say that The Departed had worse ba- Boston accents? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I thought that, that Cumberbatch, I couldn't tell, though, if he was contorting his face a certain way when he would when he would talk. I don't know if he was mocking or well, uh, thing. imitating I, Billy Bulger. Exactly. Mannerisms. I don't know if that's a Billy Bulgerism or if that's if that's the way he kind of has to fix his face to, to do, to do a Boston accent. But um, what I didn't know going into the movie was that Sienna Miller was supposed to be in it, yes. and they ended up cutting her part completely out of it. And I guess that she was not happy about that, from what I'd heard. Yeah. Afterwards. Uh, yeah. Was I, that from you? I uh, I don't remember. Uh, I'd read in a thing that that Dick Lair wrote from uh, going to shooting of that movie. And it said, like, there was, I think one of the pictures, the picture for the story was, like, Sienna Miller. And it was, like, Sienna Miller is, is playing so-and-so in the upcoming movie Black Mass. So I knew that she was supposed to be in it. And I read that article after I had seen the movie. And I was like, who? Sienna Miller wasn't in that movie. And I looked it up, and, yeah, she got uh, she got cut from it, which she must have been... I don't know if they they still must get paid something for that, but you have to. But yeah. if you're going to be in like a huge Johnny Depp movie about like one of the one of probably going to be up for a bunch of awards and yeah, stuff as well. That's that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she was supposed to play Dakota was Johnson it? was in it though. Yeah, she was. She's fine. Yeah, she. Uh, I'm a huge fan. I'm not a big fan of Dakota Johnson, but I will say that she was pretty. She was pretty decent in that movie. She's and it's, she's a pretty decent looker. Yeah, I've I've liked. Every role I've seen her in, I haven't seen her in a ton of things. I think Have you she's seen Fifty Shades of Grey. I haven't seen Fifty Me Shades either. of Grey. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna judge you if you said I've, yes. No, well, like I, if it's a good movie, I'll see it. But having just established that I think Dakota Johnson is attractive, if I now go out and see Fifty Shades of Grey, it's just like creepy. Yeah, pretty so much. I'm probably not. I'm not gonna see that movie for that reason. But yeah, she's. I think she's. Uh, she, she's a good one. Yeah, and uh, so Sienna Miller played. What was it? What's her name? Catherine, Catherine Gregg? The, the one the one with who, whom he, he ran away. Bounced, yeah. Yes. And so that wasn't included at all, which was very confusing to me yeah. after I left. Because I mean, they they cover the part where he gets caught at the end, and not to have any spoilers here, but Whitey Bulger gets caught. Right, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, he ran away with her and he was in hiding with her for what, 10, 10 15 years or something mm-hmm. like that. And they just completely just didn't even include her in the movie, didn't show her with him when he was leaving Boston. So that was very, uh, I mean, like, that's a really big detail to live up, leave out. But unfortunately, that's what you encounter when you're doing the, all right, we got to, it's at 2.40 now, we got to get it to 2.20 now, we got to get it to two hours flat. Like, I'm sure it just got to the point where if she's going to be in it for, three minutes then yeah. it's not worth having her in it although peter sarsgaard was in it for like four minutes who's that he's the guy who played the um the coked up guy who, oh right yeah who, okay I who gotcha. killed his drug dealers yeah. and got killed um and also kevin bacon was in that kevin, ba- movie, was kevin in that bacon movie for like 45 seconds role. yeah like some really legitimate act i mean this this movie was stacked uh, adam yeah. scott was yeah. in it and adam scott was not out of place I when I saw Adam Scott in that first scene, I was like, "Uh oh!" But he yeah. was, he was fine. He was okay. Yeah, um, he didn't stand out, which is good for him. Yeah, and uh, like I, I feel like most of the scenes that he was in, he didn't do much speaking. Yeah, 
Probably purposely because he didn't have an accent in the movie. I noticed. Yeah, no, he didn't. Which would have been really funny because he has a very distinct speaking voice. Right. Yeah. So it would have been kind of funny to hear him do a Boston accent. Yeah, that that was equally amusing for me that he didn't do a Boston accent because <laughs> they were just like, "Don't like even try." Everyone's doing a Boston accent, and then this like super distinct Adam Scott voice. How would you rank? Uh, this in terms of Boston movies. Like recent Boston movies? Yeah, I'm saying like, you know, The Departed, you obviously said it's better than it, but The Departed, The Town, um, what are some other ones? Um, Those are the three that Gone come to Baby, mind. Oh, Gone Go- Baby oh, yeah. Gone was a really good one. Gone Baby Gone was really good. Um, I would say... The uh, Fighter is another one, maybe. I didn't see The Fighter. You didn't see The Fighter? The yeah. Fighter's really, really good. You should see that. Yeah, that that's one that everyone has told me to see because everyone has seen it and I haven't seen it. Um, I would say probably in no particular order, the town in Gone Baby Gone, uh, one, two, and then, uh, Black Mass, and then The, the Departed. This isn't a knock on The Departed. Like, I don't think The Departed's bad. I, I, I just thought that Black Mass was a better movie than it. Probably just because the, the story is more, I mean, like I said, it's... It's the Whitey Bulger story. Yeah. So. But I mean, like, The Departed was basically the Whitey Bulger story. It was, story. right, yeah. Uh, Without the, the, I think the first scene of this movie, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, of Black Mass. Oh, no, 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 never mind. The first scene in the book of Black Mass was uh, the corner store or something like that where John Connolly is first introduced yes, to, right. to Whitey Bulger. Yeah, he buys me ice cream. He, and he buys him, yeah, he buys him an ice cream cone, which immediately, first thing I thought of was the opening scene of The Departed where Jack Nicholson buys young Matt Damon's character the groceries. Ah. And he pays for his groceries. So that was the first connection that I drew to it. Oh, it so was, that's when you were like, all right, this we, we, we have like, like a Lion King Macbeth situation yes, going on yeah, here. Yeah, so... Um, my rankings, I don't know. I, I think that I would put The Town at the top. I love The Town. Yeah, The Town was it's great. Just a, it's a, that's one of the movie, one of those movies that I can just watch all the time. Yeah. And uh, so I'd probably put that at the top. I think Gone Baby Gone would be number two for me. Mm. I love that movie. Um, and then I think that I w- from there I would swap what you said. Okay. Is I would put uh, I would put The, the Departed. Departed third, and then Black Mass fourth. Yeah. Which is like, I mean, like you said, you don't think The Departed is a bad movie. Yeah. I don't think Black Mass is a bad movie. It's just, I don't know. There were, uh, like I said, I think that they, it was. Uh, a, it, you they also did knew too decent, much going into yeah, Black Mass, yeah. too, which that Bla- never works. If, if, you've, if you've read the book yeah. and then you go see a movie, you're going to be disappointed. Um, I think kids who, like, see this movie in Nebraska. Ten, ten, oh, yeah. Or yeah. even in, like. Even from here, in like ten to fifteen years, yeah, they'll they'll see it and they'll be like, "This movie is pretty awesome." Yeah, and uh, it's just because you know you don't go in with the like with expectations. Yeah, and I'll also admit that I was like super hyped to go into the theater yeah. and see this movie. Yeah, so I think I think everyone was. I mean, my expectations were were pretty pretty high. Yeah, uh, th- I mean the fact that people had seen it before me. And I haven't spoken to anyone who just flat out didn't like it, but I, th- I think that after people saw it, they were like, temper your expectations a bit. So maybe subconsciously I did that, but even if I think that even if I went in thinking like this is going to be sick, like I would have been satisfied with. I what was I saw. yeah, I was. Uh, my expectations were met; they weren't yeah. exceeded. That's a, okay. I think the best way I can I can put it. Yeah. Um, so we spoke to Dick Lair, who wrote, uh, who or who broke the 
story of Whitey Bulger being an informant and rope black mass. And uh, first of all, the, the fact that in them making a movie about the book, they still called it Black Mass is awesome because there's no more like chilling a name for a movie than Black Mass. I think I've noticed, yeah, that is super chilling, but I think I've noticed that since the movie came out, they've kind of altered the trailers or at least the TV trailers and it says like Black Mass, the Whitey Bulger story, which oh, I really? never, yeah, which I never saw them do prior to the movie's release. What's the, the well, the book is like Black Mass, the like something, something, something and like Hill. a devil's deal. Is it, it? Yeah, it's like, it's whatever uh, follows Black Mass is basically something that's like Whitey Bulger, the FBI, and some seedy shit or something like that. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so we spoke to Dick Lair, who's now a uh, professor at BU, and I mean, we asked him about it. He downplayed this, but his students must think he's the coolest guy in the world right now. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like, I was excited to go in, in and meet him. So yeah. I, I mean, I would hope that uh, with all this st- all this hoopla now that he would, you know, speak to his classes about it and kind of, you know, take some questions or something like that. I mean, that's something that we probably should ask him about whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, were, we were a little pressed for, for time, unfortunately, which was a thousand percent our fault. Yes, for uh, sure. But... Yeah, he, yeah, he's probably like Michael McCann teaching Deflategate now. Yeah. Like his students must must eat this stuff up. All right, so yeah, here is our interview with Dick Lair. Journalism legend and best-selling author Dick Lair, how are you? Good. How are you guys? Fantastic. Uh, yeah, so uh the topic that's been on a lot of people's mind the last couple of week is Black Mass, of course the the major motion picture uh made after your 2000 yeah, it originally came out in 2000. It's been updated a few times over the years. Yeah, and I mean, I I saw it a few days ago. Pete saw it last week. I absolutely loved it. Um, what did you think of, of just how it came out and, and all that? Well, I thought it was a pretty intense uh, drama. Um, it's uh, And the thing that meant most to me was that it captured what we call the Black Mass, which is this unholy alliance, this corruption between the Boston FBI office and the gangster crime boss, Whitey. Um, you know, it's a, it's a two-hour movie, whereas in, in real-life events, this played out over several decades. So it just has to be different. Things have to be compressed and all that. But what I didn't want to see happen is any kind of sugarcoating of Whitey and all the, all the horror that, that flowed from this uh, toxic partnership. Well, I mean, a lot of people, the concern, I've talking, spoken to people in my family, spoken to friends who didn't want to see it because they're afraid that Whitey Bulger was going to be glorified or that all these guys are going to be glorified. And everyone who saw it right away says, don't worry about that. I mean, it's as chilling and scary and ugly as, as anything you'll see. Yeah, no, and I'm actually glad to hear that because the last thing we need after all the good journalism and uh and court excavations that have gone on over the years to to get at this dark truth it would just you know it just it would just be offensive to to have a hollywood picture that somehow turns him into a good bad guy or a robin hood figure that old myths mythic stuff that were long past uh what did you notice from the movie that uh maybe got cut uh or didn't make it in that you were hoping uh from the book would make it into the movie Gosh, there's a whole lot actually. I mean, there's the takeover of the uh, of the liquor mart from the Rakes family. 
just a, a, a couple trying to find their way in South Boston, o opening up a liquor store, a business, a family business. Um, we have a whole chapter on that in Black Mass. And Whitey decided he, wa he wanted a business front. Uh, and he basically just, you know, went to them and said, it's mine. Um, and there's nothing you can do about it. He was in such power and control. So there's plenty of events that just, you know, can't make it into a two-hour drama. What's that like as a journalist where the, the facts and the whole story are the only thing that's, that's important when you're t telling a story like that to know when it's being made into a major motion picture? I mean, you've been in documentaries and all th things like that, but yeah. you, you haven't experienced one of your works being, uh, being, I guess, going through the transition that it goes through to become a movie. Sure, and uh, I g you have to... Um transition to that and I got some advice from other writer friends who have had books nonfiction or fiction uh, adapted into novels like Dennis Lehane and uh, you kind of have to um, step back and let go you have to accept the fact that in an adaptation in in a book that's based on it's not going to be the same um, anyone who wants the full journalistic account should read Black Mass the book and or one of the other book you know there are a lot of good books written about this stuff um, but for the movie, uh, you know, again, what, it, what matters most is, is capturing the essence of this story. And that's important. I think they nailed that. What was your, just your involvement aside from providing the story? I mean, what, what was your involvement in the, the production of, of the movie? Yes. Oh, well, you know, it's been in development for a whole bunch of years. I mean, the book originally came out in 2000. And uh, it's, you know, been... Um, on the slow track, fast track, back and forth, different producers. And over the years, um, you know, uh, been available to consult. That's really, um, you know, we t I take phone calls from a writer who was working on it at a particular time, or a producer, or a director. And that just continued and then heated up, naturally, in the last year and a half or so when Scott Cooper came on board as director and Johnny Depp was signed and wanted to play Whitey. You know, all those questions kind of accelerated. And then when they were here in Boston, uh, not this summer, but last summer, uh, I was on the set maybe once or twice a week and to observe because it's a fascinating process. But also, uh, you know, questions might come up and, and that's, I'd answer as best I could. Uh, what I was wondering is, is during the process of, of writing the, the, the book and the original story, was there any concern in your mind about, you know, kind of exposing and... and Detailing all of the all of his doings and and you know the Winter Hill Gang and all the stuff that they did. Yeah, I mean, because the original stories in the late 1980s. So I mean, we're we're talking history now. Um, really, was the tip of an iceberg. I mean, we re at that those stories exposed for the first time that something that Whitey had a relationship. He was an informant for the FBI, and something was not quite right. But it took years, and not just reporting, but court hearings, congressional hearings to really get a, a lot of it to tumble out in terms of how, how, how horrible and how harmful and the murders that were committed um, with the F on FBI time, so to speak, uh, and that the FBI helped uh, cover up and, and, you know, watching Whitey's back. You know, it, it just, there seemed to be no bottom um, to the corruption and, and, you know, and the darkness of this story. That took years. And knowing the darkness, were you personally worried, like, writing the story? That, you know, it were the first stories that there was some concern at the Globe. First of all, outing an informant. I mean, we didn't want to have Whitey, you know, the blood on the paper's hands because, uh, you know, informants in the underworld are usually targeted. Um, that obviously didn't happen because he was able to manage 
damage control, so to speak. Um, but the other thing was, yeah, I mean, it's the underworld, and, and there were some concerns at the Globe. There, were, there was a threat that came in that's, again, documented and written about in Black Mass. Um, but once that first story was out, and, and the rest of the, you know, the media, the journalists in Boston sort of got on board, and once there were court hearings, once there were indictments, no, then, then that worry, you know, because uh, the momentum of the, what, you know, even though it was slow building, the momentum of the truth, um, I think, was a kind of shield. Did you know in 88 when that story came out that that it was too big for a story and that it, this was going to have to be a, a book? Because you, you write in the book that pretty much all the, um, all the notes and everything, all the research that's done is, comes just from, from your 1988 research. Yeah, well, no, it, that's, that was the beginning. And then we didn't have a critical mass of information until 10 years later as a result of continued reporting and also indictments and also the so-called Wolf hearings before federal judge Mark Wolf in 1997. They went on for 10 months all about the relationship. That's when all, this doc, all the information churned up, and we did a whole bunch of interviews on our own. That you, we finally, you know, and then in the late 1990s, Jerry O'Neill and I, st we said, we got a book here. We should put it all together in a coherent narrative. And that's what we did in Black Mass. Once you got to the set um, when they were shooting it, like sure. who was the, what was the creepiest thing you saw? Whether Depp is, is Whitey or Jesse Plemons is Kevin Weeks? Because, I mean, really, when you see the movie, each of the guys as they're presented is just like... Yeah, I think the acting's terrific and uh but my first day on the set the creepiest it, it was a double barrel it was both johnny depp as whitey and rory cochran as flemmy flemmy i mean he rory was i don't know if it's called method acting or what but he never got out of character so between takes he would just stand there brooding you know menacing looking pulling out a cigarette and he uh you didn't you didn't want to talk to him you know because <laughs> he was just like that's so flemmy you know DJ mentioned that uh, that they cast someone as you, but you got a, a cameo in the movie. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, was that your decision, or did, would you? Did that you was a director's call. Yeah, no, that was a director's call. He wouldn't let us play ourselves. Oh, times. really? Yeah, <laughs> no, we got, yeah, yeah. Um, but that was a scene again, uh, a comp you know, a compression of real life events, where um, Jerry O'Neill and I met with uh, an FBI source who happened to be John Morris, as we were beginning to you know, get where we could confirm and then publish uh, that, you know, Whitey and, about Whitey and the FBI. The whole time when I was watching the movie, I, I, Nick had, your son Nick had said that you had a cameo in it uh, like a, a thousand years ago, and I forgot to, to ask when it was. So the whole movie I'm looking to see, like, <laughs> is he going to walk in the background or whatever? And I never saw it. And then when I looked it up after, it's the scene with Dick Lair. It's the scene when they meet, meet Dick Lair. Yeah, you're sitting next to them or something? Yeah, we're, Jerry and O'Neill and I are at the next table, two guys <laughs> having a steak dinner uh, while there's meeting between reporters and the FBI supervisor going on. It's kind of a director's inside joke to put his, yeah. his, his background cameo uh, in the scene involving... You know, That's the two kind of reporters. gotta be a kick in the nuts. They don't let you play yourselves, but they put you in the same. They make scene. you watch. They make it you was watch. All right. the guys I mean, it, apparently the two actors were nervous as hell having us. Oh really? Sitting, you know, the I two mean, real. Yeah, that yeah. must be tough thinking about it. I mean, you're doing the scene with the guys yeah. who, did, who were in the original scene, oh, right, right there, over their so. shoulder. So yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was gonna say with the with uh, Depp not being able to to set something up with with Whitey, did you at least grant uh, the guy who played you a nice like? 
day to really <laughs> to really let him get you and know all your mannerisms and everything. Well, no, not really. It was all right, momentary, quick happening, That's fast impressive. happening on the set, and uh, yeah, I'm not sure he picked up too many mannerisms. <laughs> so I want to tell you the story of when I saw the movie the other day. Uh, we went to the Boston Common Theater to see it, and mm -hmm. there's a guy sitting in front of us, and I've seen movies where people get a kick out of like chilling and gripping parts and it's always uncomfortable to be around that because you're like what is this person's mind that they can be laughing at this and the guy in front of us like it's some really scary parts would have kind of like a, a maniacal like <laughs> like he was like into it and we're like the guy i was watching the movie with we were turning to each other like what is wrong with this person and it was stephen king it was stephen king stephen king, oh king was sitting in the front row watching it and he was as into it as I've ever seen anybody into anything. Oh, that's good to hear because it's, you know, it's sort of into, this is in some ways a horror movie. Yeah, definitely. And, and he's a master of, of, of horror. So, yeah, that's an interesting, that's a really cool anecdote. Yeah. 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 Um, what have the last few months been like for you just with the movie actually coming out? And I'm sure you're flying all over the world to premieres. No, and that's Red a little Carpets exaggerated and, and overstatement. But no, we did go to the Toronto Film Festival, my wife and I. Um, and that was the weekend right before the Boston premiere. So that was a, you know, pretty fast-paced and hectic week, and and we got a taste of a world that's not really our world. Uh, you know, major studio, film festivals, premiere, and uh, yeah, and you know, I, I liked it. I had fun, uh, um, but I also like I prefer what I do, which is mm. teach and write books. You know, do your students now fancy you a, a, a badass now that this is coming? You're a professor at uh, at Boston University. To has this changed, I mean, your, your standing or your perception? Or have you always been the cool professor? Uh, I, I don't know if it's, that's the case. Uh, they, uh, they're a good reality check. You know, they remain unimpressed to a large degree. And that's just as well. We got work to do in class. You know? Dick, this has been awesome. Uh, thanks for letting us come into your office and, and talk, to for, for, talk to you for a few minutes. Oh, no, that's fine. This yeah. movie You're was welcome. excellent. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. On the next episode of Brunch... Do you like the HBO show, Silicon Valley? Well, you shouldn't. Why? Hit him with the two words. Demon-topolis. That's Chris Demon-topolis. Bad guy. We thought he was good. Never trust him again. The actor who plays Russ Hanneman on the HBO show joins us next. Brunch. Brunch.